0: In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let me take this moment to remind each and every one of you why you are here. And in reminding you, I am reminding myself as well. We come to church to celebrate the Kingdom of God. That Christ came down and Christ came down to earth to remind us again of who the Father is Christ came down to remind us again who is God because humanity had lost its way humanity had forgotten who is God and because they had forgotten who is God they had their relationship with God was out of sync and needed to be restored and needed to be renewed so Christ comes to renew again for us that relationship between humanity and with God remember I'm, I'm reminding you why you're here so just follow my train of thought why are we here today Christ restores for us the knowledge of God And he brings with him the kingdom of God. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And when he says the kingdom of God is at hand, he brings it not fully, not completely, partially. And he brings it especially through the coming down of his Holy Spirit upon the church. And so the church becomes the place of the people who celebrate the kingdom of God. The church becomes the place of the people who live in the kingdom of God. The church becomes the place of the people who are trying to bring others into the kingdom of God. Christ comes to remind us of who God is. Christ comes to bring His kingdom. Christ gives us us of His Holy Spirit so that we can become active members within the kingdom of God. Active members within the kingdom of God. I think sometimes we think of things differently. Christ gave us the Holy Spirit so, and then we have our own idea of what that means for us. Sometimes it's membership, sometimes it means maybe superpowers, maybe it means inspiration from God, maybe it means somebody to make us, you know, help us in our day-to-day. Today's sermon is not a sermon about do better, try harder. Today's sermon is about understanding our place in the kingdom of God. And our place in the kingdom of God and how we celebrate that place when we come here in the divine liturgy. The divine liturgy itself is a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey that begins at 8 (laughs) o'clock. And in that journey that begins at 8 o'clock, we are taking steps on that road towards the kingdom of God. Now, that road and that journey is not an easy journey, and it's not uh, intuitive. Right? Sometimes we think, I just it, this is uh, an exercise in stamina. I have to wait for the end of liturgy to receive the body and the blood, and then I have survived, I have received what I wanted to take, and I can leave in peace. But this journey is different, and how I want you to understand your place here is, is different. It's not me, this is the church. That this journey begins every week, I pick up from where I was last week, and every week I'm going deeper and deeper into the kingdom of God, and the readings of the Gospels are guiding us and helping us to, to go deeper, into that mystery of the kingdom of God, which Christ revealed to us way back when, which Christ inaugurated and began with us. And so, in today's gospel, we see the kingdom of God at work through Jesus Christ. How is the kingdom of God at work with Jesus Christ in today's gospel? It starts off by saying that Jesus was gathered, was in the house. right? So Jesus was in the house, and the house becomes a symbol of the church. The church is where Jesus is. Jesus was in the house, and in the house, he preached the word to them. He preached the word. It's, it says he preached the word to them. It's a detail that we, we gloss over because we're getting to the miracle of the paralytic. But not only did he preach the word to them, oftentimes, you hear that he preached the kingdom of god to them that's all it says it doesn't say what he preached but that he preached the kingdom of god remember the miracle that we re- we read in the ninth hour of the Akbe, of the five loaves and the two fish that he he gathered his disciples went to the deserted place and spoke to them about the kingdom of god what he said what he said to them we do not know but In speaking to them about the kingdom of God, this was one of the main topics on his mind. This was very important to him. This is what he spoke about most of the time, probably about 50% of the time. If you look to the parables, he spoke about the kingdom of God. So when he preaches here in the house, and it says, preaches them the word of God, the goal of that is so that the word of God, Jesus Christ, the word of God, finds a place within the soul of the individual. I'll remind you with the Pauline epistle, which was taken from where, if you were paying attention, said nice and clearly. Second. Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians he speaks about how we are The fragrance of Christ. And that he says, you you are our epistle written within your hearts, not with ink or not on tablets, but written on flesh. So these two images of the word of God, how it manifests itself within the individual. One is that of being the fragrance of Christ. last week we had the sinful woman who took the alabaster flask and rubbed the ointment washed the feet of Christ when she left the house she was smelling exactly like Christ was smelling it's a nice image she had that ointment she used it on that perfume she used it on Christ and she herself was touching it so the two of them had the same fragrance if someone smelled Christ in one part of the town and smelled her in another part, they'd say, you two have been together. You two know each other. You two have been, forgive me for saying this, have been intimate with each other. Intimacy, not in a, in a sexual way, but intimate, close. you have been very close with each other. They shared that scent. And so the Word of God, which is preached to us, is, is meant so that we can carry the scent of Christ, the fragrance of Christ, everywhere. And if any of you have sat next to somebody who has a a, a bad smell, you can't shut your nose. You can't stop smelling that person, right? Eventually, your olfactory nerves get used to it and you don't smell it so much anymore afterwards. You get used to it, but the idea is that an odor, a smell is pungent and and it's invasive. And that's how we are supposed to be the fragrance of Christ. And a fragrance, of course, though, is aromatic, beautiful. The other, the other v- way to view this image of the fragrance of Christ, is that the fragrance of, of Christ, Christ was a sweet-smelling aroma to, to God the Father when, when he was sacrificed on Golgotha on the cross. So the fragrance of Christ also means that there is sacrifice involved, and our sacrifice becomes the sweet-smelling aroma that rises up to God in heaven. And the image of the epistle written within our hearts is the same. It's the same idea that we're not memorizing and regurgitating and, and saying verses from the Bible, but the image is that the, if the Word of God in our hearts becomes apparent through our actions, through what we do. And so the Word of God was preached here in the Gospel. He doesn't know when we're playing and when we're serious. The third child. The first yeah. child is disciplined. The second child is kind of disciplined. The third child... Somebody said what, the first child makes the rules for the second child, and the third child ignores yeah. them. Yeah, the third child is the oldest child. The wife who makes the rules, the second child is the reason we have the and the third child is not following the rules. Yeah, so the first... There okay, we have it. So now... Let's let's get back to let's get back to the sermon. So we have the word of God being preached, so that so that the word Himself, Jesus Christ, can become manifest within us, so that we can be the the fragrance of Christ, and so that we can become uh, epistles, and the word of God can become manifest to us. The second thing Christ does in today's gospel is he forgives the sins of this paralytic man. And I think we all can agree, nobody cared about that point. Nobody really was focused on that point. Nobody was looking for the forgiveness of this man's sins. Neither the people bringing him to to the, the crowd, neither the crowd, neither the individuals paralyzed, forgiveness of sins was not on their minds. But the problem is, this man was paralyzed. And because he was paralyzed, he was not able to be part of Israel. In its sacrifices, in its gatherings, even in a gathering like this, there was no space for an individual like this man physically. And indeed, there was no space for him spiritually. Remember, when the disciples saw the blind man, what did they say? What did they ask God? They asked him, what did they ask Christ? They said, who sinned? This man or his parents? This was the common understanding of when you saw somebody with an illness, there was some sort of sin attached to that illness. So not only was a person that was looked at as being ill, um, just sort of he was sick, he had a problem, but also there was the judgment that this person had sins attached to this person. So, the holy people, these, these Pharisees and these scribes, when they ask, when they ask, or, or they reason within their hearts, who are you to forgive sins? Who are you to forgive sins? Uh, Christ, essentially, was taking away their work, taking away their job. They were the ones who interpreted the law. They were the ones who interpreted who had the sin on them and who did not have the sin on him. So, Jesus Christ was bypassing their authority and what we see what Christ is doing is he is understanding not only is this man or this individual paralyzed and marginalized from society kept away from the main group but he's marginalized in two ways physically and spiritually he's judged as a sinner and he's physically handicapped therefore he's on the side and that Marginalization that happens in society back then happens today as well happens today as well. We can look at at somebody who is let's say divorced and we we kind of put them to the side or somebody who has some sort of a problem their their problems in, in their in their work problems in their relationships problems whatever and we can in our minds turn that into you know maybe. God's not blessing that person for a certain reason. But we see Christ here is going after the marginalized and he's taking away from that person two things. Now the miracle the the taking away the paralysis that miracle is not the main point. That miracle is to show the main point really happened. The main point of the forgiveness of sins. So we have the miracle, the sign to show what really is happening, and, and, and this is I, I've said this too many times Jesus, Jesus, for example, in the Gospel of John, feeds the multitude, the 5,000, and he gives them uh, of this, and there's the miracle. But what's the point of that miracle comes to when he says, "I am the bread of life." Right? He's showing one thing by doing something else. And so when he is healing the paralysis of this man, it is to show the forgiveness of sins. And she's forgiving the sins as a sort of message to us that the church and the work of the church and the work of the kingdom of God is to bring those who are marginalized from sin by sin, those who are outside the community for whatever reason, to bring them doors wide open into the kingdom of God. The miracle that we see today is a miracle that wasn't manifest because of the individual. This is now the third point. The first point, the word of God, and we are the fragrance, we are the epistles, supposedly when we receive the word of God, God has made manifest within us. Second is the forgiveness of sins, and the forgiveness of sins is the work of the church, and we must continue the work of the church, and this is the work of the kingdom of God, to bring all those who are far near to him, near to him Through the forgiveness of sins and this is what the work of the church is and this is why we are here not only for our own but for others number three it didn't happen because this man said i want my sins forgiven i must go uh, to jesus christ who will forgive me my sins it happened because there were friends of this individual who whether they brought christ for the right reasons or not they had faith that what they were doing was right they had faith that what they were doing was good. They had faith that if they could just bring this man into the presence of Christ, something would happen. And so, in their effort to bring him into the presence of Christ, they made space for him. Space that was not normally available. They could have waited outside. I've seen, I was just with the Pope, right? The Pope was... I wasn't personally with him. We were in a con- conference anybody that wanted, was not invited to this conference, waited in the lobby of the hotel. And they waited in the lobby of the hotel until the Pope passed by and they said, hey, we got this big problem. We want you to talk to your Holiness about it. That's what they did. This, these individuals could have done the same thing. They could have waited outside. He was in the house. He wasn't going to stay there forever. He was going to come outside. But they wanted, they purposely made space for this individual. And this is a lesson for us. That we need to make space. We Need to purposefully and intentionally make space for those who are marginalized, for those who are far. And that might be, that might mean I, who know somebody, am either bringing Christ to that person or in any way trying to bring Christ to that person, or trying to bring that person to Christ. I need to continue the work of the Spirit, the work of the Church, the work of the Kingdom of God, which is to bring those who are far away near. I have to have faith that I'm bringing them to Christ. When I invite somebody to church, when I invite somebody to a Bible study, when I invite somebody to pray, when I invite somebody to come into the presence of God to read the scripture, I have to have faith that I'm bringing them to Christ. Not to a priest, not to a certain community, but to Christ himself, who is able to heal and is able to continue the work that he started a long time ago. I need this faith. And I need this faith to be an active faith, not just ideas or intentions or emotions, but a faith that is looking and looking to be creative and looking to be uh, maybe a little bit uh, courageous, maybe a little bit, uh, there's some embarrassment involved. There's probably some financial uh, repercussions to tearing off the roof of a person's home. There are other things that come in, in, in the way, but we have to be intentional about this idea of bringing people into the presence of Christ and there are so many people that have the paralysis of sin it doesn't have to be physical paralysis but the paralysis of sin the paralysis whether it be of 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 an addiction whether it be of uh, a bad relationship or a way that you know some sort of some sort of issue that is in their life that is causing them to sin and they can't get rid of it and they see no hope, and they see no guidance, and they think about it in terms of of, of therapy, and psychotherapy is okay, all that psychology, that's all it's good, it's it's needed, but they they lack that one person who is able to heal the soul, which is Christ, the true physician, we say, of our souls and of our bodies. So the miracle today is a miracle of a community coming together, these individuals, these friends bringing somebody to Christ. It is also a miracle showing us what is to happen in the end. Christ heals, takes away his sins and heals his paralysis and the paralysis is to show a sign of the kingdom. In the kingdom, these issues will not affect us. Just as in the kingdom, sin will be no more. And the and the, the 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 effects of sin will be no more, so it becomes a sign for the kingdom. So coming back to that very first uh, item I was talking about, about, what we are doing here, what we are doing here is gathering into the kingdom, celebrating the kingdom, and looking for the kingdom. We look for the resurrection of the dead. But here now, for a small moment, we shed from our minds this world. We shed from our minds all the anxiety, all the problems, and we start to imagine in a good way, not in a making something up, but we imagine how it's going to be like in the future. All gathered in one place in peace, looking for God who gives us all things, looking to the Father of light from which every good gift comes. And those gifts are for our healing, and not only for our healing, but for the healing of our brothers and our sisters who are far away remember what I had said before that tax collectors and the prostitutes and the harlots this is the words of Christ enter the kingdom of God before others that Christ was called a friend of the sinners and this space this space is not the space to be occupied only by saints but it's to be occupied by those who are seeking to become saints the hospital is not for the healthy, the hospital is for the sick. And this is the service of the church and this is the good news of the message of the kingdom. So when we look to this today's miracle, it's not something that Christ just took away the paralysis and God can heal me of my sickness. But, but, but Christ is creating for us a different future. Future without sin future without illness, a future of community. And we start to practice and live that here and today. Each and every one of us spend this, this time focusing on the Kingdom of God. I wish we could have special glasses that said these glasses were the Kingdom of God. And everything we view, everything we see is through the lens of the Kingdom of God. Our interactions with everybody, our prayers, our focus, what we're looking... Our focus, right? literally, our focus, what we're looking for is everything, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. It doesn't mean we become, you know, fundamentalists and talking to everybody about the Bible but it definitely means that we will become the fragrance of Christ everywhere and we will become the epistle the epistle that was written not in in tablet or, or, or paper but written within our hearts we have work to do, all of us including me, first and foremost I stand here and I, yes, I preach, but I will be judged for every one of these words that I say hopefully I can do and hopefully you can do what we are called to do and this is work that's why we have to come and so it's important for us to gather early on that journey which we call the liturgy into the kingdom of God we gather so that we can be an active member not a passive member an active part of this may God and may his kingdom be be uh, always the focus of our lives and may we do all for the glory of God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit now and ever in the age of all ages. Amen.